interview powerful and amazing women like our guest today so that you have strategies to nourish with wholesome food, energize your bodies with movement, and reframe your perspective with sweet talk. And today, my guest, she can help you with all those things. She is a holistic psychologist. She's an author. She's a Women Speak Circle leader and a speaker herself. Um, she has a dynamic community and an amazing story. So, um, Lorraine Ventul, welcome to the show. Thank you, Cordelia. Such an honor to be here and he be here with your listeners. Yes, I'm so happy that we met at the um, Women Speak International Festival last month. And um, you you got a chance to, to witness me speaking and I feel like we connected, but more so, you know, like in that moment, I was almost speechless when I came off the stage and I was, you know, speaking with the different women, but um, you know, the connection that we still have through the social media and everything. And um, yeah, it's wonderful. All these opportunities that we have today to find our network of soul sisters in different continents all over the world. It's, it's a really wonderful opportunity. Although I got to say, being there with you guys in person, that was just the bomb. <laughs> it was, I was just oozing for weeks <laughs> with joy. And it, you guys were so inspiring. And Cordelia, I got to say, she talked about this phase that she went through right after giving birth. And I had a traumatic birth. And my birth was also the rebirth of my own calling. And Mine happened many more than a decade ago, and the way she described that experience <laughs> and got in touch with this, it was as if it happened the day before. I was so impressed, and it, it was really so riveting. It, the vibrations and what came out of the pit of your womb was just really incredible, really inspiring. It, it, I felt re, it, like I was reborn again. I relived that whole experience <laughs> again. So thank you so much for that. I'm so happy that it touched you so deeply and we were able to connect in that way. So mm -hmm. tell me more about your story. So what, what happened for you and how did your rebirth begin? Well, let me just piggyback a little bit. I am also an immigrant. Oh, actually, I don't know exactly if you're an immigrant. I'm an immigrant. Um, and I am originally from Suriname, which is a little country, actually, small population, not that little. It's the size of Georgia, right above Brazil. And most people don't know that it's almost completely covered with Amazon rainforest. So I grew up over there and I was 
very inspired and drawn to the indigenous people, the Maroon people who live there. And my ancestor, one of them, is also Maroon, who are the descendants of runaway slaves. So they imprinted something on me as well as the nature spirits that stayed with me. And even though I experienced a revolution and my family moved because of that to Miami and I completely lost um, that connection to really the deepest part of my soul and the close-knit community that had raised me, it stayed with me and guided me throughout. So I had lost my way, you could say, um, in the concrete jungle of Miami, but I found my way and, and it tapped into that calling. I wanted to be a healer and the best way to kind of find that path was to psychology um, at my university program. And that came even, that was a bit challenging to switch gears from the sciences and math and all that. But even so, when I thought I had landed, I was in graduate school and was doing what I love, dare to be more practice oriented and research oriented. I faced the truth that I did not want to face, which was that all that wisdom deep inside of me, that intuitive knowledge was something that I needed to leave behind for evidence-based practices, which were you know, the standards of care that were the norm. And that's when all this drumming, all the information that I had gathered as a child started to surface again and bubble up and really made me feel like I lost my mind and gone crazy. So that's what, what was actually the first step in the process. I'm muting in between because my, um, my little ones are playing in the hallway and I don't want to. Oh, I can't even hear them, but if you can. It's <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> so, wow. So you, really ended up reconnecting with your your deeper whole self um, and you were really um, missing that right because you felt disconnected um, once you came here and in, in order to navigate this new world you had to re reground and reconnect to that so wow yes and and what was I think a bit different, um, well, maybe not different, different for a shamanic healers um, which and, and practitioners, which I am now, um, is that they may come from a lineage and kind of knew what to expect. Um, that was not the case for me. It was a very spontaneous awakening initiation, but very much followed the path of the spirits and the ancestors calling me. And so I believe that my awakening is actually much similar to the spiritual awakenings of many of us, women who might not become shamanic healers or anything like that, but it's the wisdom on the periphery of our consciousness and the spirits and the guides who are there and that information filters in and they're knocking on our door and they're saying, wake up, or they communicate to us through pain or what we think of as mental disorder. But really what they're trying to do is get us aligned with 
greater spiritual order. So I did not know that this was happening at the time. So I really struggled and diagnosed myself with all kinds of psychological <laughs> disorders, which we already do as graduate students in clinical psychology. You go through that book and it's like, what is this? I'm obsessive. I'm grandiose. I have paranoia. I'm borderline. And I, you know, just on and on the list went. So I needed to tap into this and trust that what I was experiencing, the grandiosity was really throwing me for a loop because that meant that you trust that there's a greater power that you have, that you are transcending all the messages that, you know, so I was really in this double bind, but slowly but surely I did a research study back to going back to Suriname studying my people and how they did it. And that gave me some strength and validation. But really what got me going was, wow, I'm an insider. I have access to all this information and I have a hard time, let alone a client who just comes from the street or sees a powerful doctor who diagnoses them, which I often still hear in 15, 20 minutes, what are they to do? How can they possibly trust themselves and feel like they know better? And so that's, you know, how my deeper calling, that's what really inspired me to keep going. And that's where I really got clarity from my guides. You are in some ways just a journalist. You are just walking this path and recording and learning what that would be like for you as a student, but also imagining a client who comes into this situation completely new. I love how you so easily have like the, the ancient um, knowing meeting the Western philosophy, right? And um, it's so seamless for you. you. You see that as a whole person, we really just quite simply have an imbalance and a misunderstanding of our, intuit, our intuition. And you were able to connect those dots real time while you were going through your program, you know? And I feel like I just, it gives me goosebumps because it's like so many, like I've been to psychologists, you know, and, you know, I had my bout with postpartum depression and some grief. And they, you're right, in like 15 minutes, oh, we know what's wrong with you. You need this, right? Mm -hmm. But they don't, you know, even allow that path of recognition that you, your clients must experience with you where, you know, so are you feeling an imbalance? I'm sure you allow them. Mm -hmm. It looks like you did that for yourself. Mm -hmm. You went through that process. You're like, I feel this imbalance and I know I have this wisdom and so tell me a little bit more how you were able to really integrate that, that um, ancient knowing. Yes. And just for the record, it wasn't that easy. I mean, this, we're talking 20, 25 years ago. So now in hindsight, I have the clarity. And after writing my book and digging deep, but I can tell you it was peeling off layer after layer and going back and forth and doing a lot of excavation within my own soul. I write it all about in my, in my, um, in my book and my memoir, but lots of clashes with teachers and different groups, organizations. So a lot of learning there. Um, and 
then formal training, eventually as a shamanic and depth hypnosis practitioner. So what I end up doing now is, interestingly enough, you know, I use the metaphors of food, but I am not a nutritionist. I don't, I mean, very, there's, of course, I honor that very much, as well as all the practices that my clients do that you so much encourage, which is the movement and all that body awareness. But really what I focus primarily on is helping the them to build a soul sanctuary where I supplement that spiritual malnutrition, um, malnutrition really. And what it entails, I call it moving from the 24 by seven hamster wheel rut <laughs> to a two by four by seven soul sanctuary. And so it's really the, what, what it's all about is just adding a little bit more spacious spaciousness more breathing room for soul to come in i even feel like we need to move from mindfulness to soulfulness mm -hmm. and so the numbers are really easy to remember and i have my own historical connection with them the two the four the seven um but these, this model, this ancient model, you'll see it in Lakota wisdom and many other traditions. So the two is really simply as above, so below. You get that connection with the tree guides. I have it in my name and, and my Chinese name, my earth name, and even Lorraine. Um, the flag of Lorraine has this metaphor, this cross of Lorraine um, that Joan of Arc carried, and she was one of my younger spirit guides when I was a child. So, so it really means making sure we're connected. We, we're not walking around like we're the only being on this planet and all by ourselves. The four has to do with the four directions. And I particularly focus on the elements, but it means so many different things. And so the seven is really where all of this interconnect. And I was a dancer too, and Tai Chi and Qigong. So this movement, even holding your body up in this right posture and feeling if you're balanced can already help so much with your spiritual posture and your balance. And now just imagine then all these portals and this connection um, allowing you to connect to guidance. And so air, for example, would bring in wisdom and your highest truth. Fire would bring in your vitality and protection. Earth behind you has your back and, and brings structure and grounding. And water is the soothing and the movement and the communication of all your energy, your emotion. And that's when you really can trust your heart, I believe. So many come in and say, you know, I... You know, I'm having so much trouble, but don't really know how to trust everything because we shouldn't. There's so many imprints where we can trust our beliefs sometimes or our thoughts or our feelings because they're skewed. So what I really teach them is how to work with their guides in this formula, so to speak, so that they get fully aligned and then they can kind of deep dive and free fall into their heart. And also learn to pace what comes up and work through all that. And then they have access to their, their own secret healing well and ancient wisdom. So that's basically in a nutshell what I do. Wow. So I, I actually f was feeling as you were describing that. Oh, wow. Like it's like a um, complete soul spirit kind of stabilization system happening there. Yeah. Right. Yes, that's why I call it, yeah, soul sanctuary <laughs> alchemy. <laughs> it's alchemy. It's really transformation. Yeah, that's wonderful. 
That's wonderful that you could feel that. I feel that even in the heart, it's kind of to imagine it like where lava enter, just enters in the ocean and there's this water and, and air blown up in this fertile land. That's kind of how I feel, you know, that, and also feel who we are. We are this creative body that is constantly rebirthing new potential. And so to allow for this, what in shamanic terms we call dismemberment and rebirth, which we intentionally do every week to just get our ego minds out of the way, this kind of helps people to naturally do that, naturally center here in the heart and allow for this wisdom to guide whatever ego death needs to happen when we're stuck in a problem and um, it's not always that easy so I have this element of rewiring what Casey calls the rewiring and um, the imprints and the the matrix of hookups that you know we need to unravel but I also feel that what the guides do is a different process which I call a remembering and a reminding which is energizing the templates the blueprints of wisdom that were really already there and always intact and just were nourished enough with the soul food so even just doing that it's almost like the rewiring or the unraveling happens from the ground up or from the inside out where all this pushes the imprints automatically out so my method is a little bit more focused on that natural healing process i love that so you know, a, a couple of other things when you were talking about imprints and um, rewiring. So just correct me if I'm wrong, but like mm -hmm. in, in psychology, there's a belief that is it 30% of our personality is inherited? Is that it? Um, I'm not sure exactly about those statistics and yeah. vary based on whoever you, you're talking to and whatever research study but probably to some degree and the genetic disposition and all those different influence in terms of the nature nurture. Yes. Uh, right. Mm -hmm. So you're actually, but I, I don't feel like the Western psychology is able to really feed that or help the rewiring to happen, but it looks like that's where we have to acknowledge in order for the ego death to happen. We have to acknowledge our spiritual side right? Mm -hmm. Is that what you're saying? Right, right. And that's how the transformation can really emerge, really? Yes. And um, as you were talking, my mind just kind of brought me to this whole argument about the, the nature nurture and what I have to say about that, even in regards to the amygdala and that we have this natural disposition to be negative, to be fearful. There, I do know of cutting edge research that shows that our amygdala is much more complex. And what I do is my model is all about the paradox. You sort of that yin-yang, it's building into every aspect. So we kind of start with the end in mind. And it wouldn't be surprising that our amygdala is similar, kind of like that Chinese symbol that in every challenge is an opportunity. That is also something that I've read on your website <laughs> that we have in common. So it, it is 
also that our ego mind, as much as the research that is done here can be completely sound, if you're not bringing that lens in, you're, you're missing a whole lot. So more recently, they're looking at the amygdala from that perspective and seeing that it's also getting very lit up when people see new possibilities and opportunities. It's not just this fear-based you know, sort of freeze and and um, and flight and and what we're thinking that uh, you know that is just responding to. That's just one aspect of it. And so, where I was going with that is that um, in terms of our genetic, even if something may have been passed on for three generations because of war, or trauma, or whatnot. Yes, you could have this on your gene imprints or your body. And what's interesting in the deep um, meditations that my clients do, they are able to tap in to how different medications, how their biochemistry is working. So I'm not trying to say that is not happening. But if trauma can create those imprints and change our biochemistry in a few generations, guess what? We can reverse that just as well. It's just that we don't have enough people who can be, mm. you know, research participants to show that that can also happen. So that's what I see in my practice. And they do that um, when tapering off their medication and it's a careful calibration, they do that in terms of what they're thinking and what shifts they make in their thinking. And it's really amazing if they're, for example, very negative in their thinking, how this can override whatever remedy they're trying to do, even if it's a positive thing, like the good foods and exercise and things like that, or how they can block the effect of certain medications by their thinking or enable certain treatments, like whether it's flower essences or whatever it might be. The mind is is so powerful. It overrides so much. So in terms of the genetic disposition, um, I still go for, yes, there's a component that responds, but I'm just blown away by how powerful our consciousness, our thoughts, and our ability to stream the energy in the body. It's not just an intuitive thought that's kind of free-floating. It's when you really learn to embody whatever you're thinking that is what really gets expressed. Wow, you're right. The brain is really a powerful thing. And so I didn't realize though that there, so even if you have someone like on antidepressants or something, you're saying that their thought pattern can override what the medicine's supposed to do? It, it can totally go both ways where it can, they can remain stuck in a certain pattern. It can take an edge out of things, but they can remain stuck in a pattern and the opposite can also happen where the positive thoughts can completely, I mean, if I had to track and I have over the almost two decades of doing this, what really is the um, factor that changes things? It's like whenever we do a deep kind of chunk of work where we overhaul an energetic pattern and a contract, so to speak, with interference and they connect to a spirit guide and a wiser self that gives them a more insightful way or a better coping method 
that is more connected to the soul, when they adopt that, all of a sudden, it's like why I call it the truth body. It's not a pain body that lies. It's our truth body. When our body knows this is the truth, it's like it releases. It just holds on to things for us to become more conscious. Hmm. And it might be different for different people, but I tend to attract a lot of people who are like, I tease them often. It's like, how many more hairs do we need to split before your body is going to release? <laughs> and they, and yeah, it's like that. We, we really, it's like, I know we got to the bottom. I think we got to the bottom of it. it's the root cause. And they're like, no, a few more. And then <laughs> the body releases. And it's really magical. And not only in terms of what, changes in the body, but synchronistic. By, by this time, there's so much synchronistic affirmation they get it, they're getting from the universe. And so I have another third kind of you know, checkpoint in my checks and balances where it's like, wow, the universe totally responding. Wow. So it's very cool. Yeah. I love this. I love you know, um, hearing that someone there's someone out there that's really trying to help us like truly help us to um to uh in a very healthy and natural way um let the ego die so that we can really live you know and embrace our truth and you know how i feel about reframing our perspective you know and like that's the true sweet talk right there that's what it sounds like to me Exactly. One of my um, taglines is, or, or what I feel that I'm um, leading is this movement and this re uh, revolution to be one degree more conscious in wholeness, just one degree more conscious in our wholeness than our wounding. And that means becoming aware, right, of this wounding and the self-blame that we often carry, um, not being supported enough and, and really in very simple terms, how I see mental illness is an imploding and an exploding of energy because we, we have not been supported in building a big enough home for our soul. So we're constantly imploding and blaming ourselves for something not being right. And then we're angry and explode. And there's just this erratic pattern happening so in terms of support, I just wanted to give credit to my great teachers. Uh, and the Sacred Stream um, is an organization in the Bay Area, and they taught me. And there are many other depth hypnosis practitioners, which is a hopeful thing, all over the U.S. And, and the world who work in similar ways. So anybody, if they're interested, they can just go depth hypnosis practitioners um, and find one who does this. And they have done... Um, a research study that I participated in to track kind of what I saw as the deciding factors. And it was very exciting to see that in 39 or so participants and, and eight um, practitioners who participated that even after four sessions and especially eight sessions, it was an eight session study, that the clinical levels of anxiety, depression, PTSD completely dropped. It was very exciting to get that validation in a quantitative um, way as well. Wow, that's amazing. And you know, this is true. Like coping is really a big problem. You know, I find that mm -hmm. a lot in the people that I deal with, those coping mechanisms, they're not there. You know, they're just mm -hmm. not. Yeah. And it, it does cause that, um, that pattern of self-blame and self-sabotage and all those things. So, 
Tell me, uh, tell me like more about your program and how, um, you know, people really transform when they work with you. Is it like, do they have to work with you for years or? Yes. So I do, I, I have a variety of different people. I have people um, in my one-on-one practice, which was my primary thing, who've dropped by one time or five times or years and have gotten what they needed because we're all different levels of our development. And I've had the, the people I've helped significantly in one or just five times ha- are advanced practitioners. So what I've told you are things they have naturally dappled with and it made immediate intuitive sense. So they could quickly sort of connect and uh, however they perceive that and with my help just drop in and find the imbalance or the little crack or the contract they had missed and that did it for them. Um, Sometimes it, it took a few more sessions because there's soul retrievals that, that ha- have to do with those cracks, so to speak. And so the process basically is in a traumatic moment, our, moment, our soul gets stuck in that situation. And so you need to go back and retrieve that soul part of that younger self. Sometimes mm-hmm. there's a little resistance because that soul part contracted with a coping mechanism. And it's like, no, I'm going to stay ice cold. I don't want to, you know, or I'm going to just kind of focus on my mind or whatever the coping mechanism might be. So you need to bring in a new, you know, before they sh- switch buoys in terms of lifeboats, they need to be convinced that one is a better one. <laughs> so that's where the spirit guides and whatnot really teach them. This is what is limited. It worked really well, but this is what's limited with your method. And this is how it's going to enhance you and help you now in the second phase of your life. Move on. So if they're coming for just that, it can happen in a few sessions. And then I have people who come in and they go in and it feels like they're in a library and all the papers and all the files are all over the place and they want help (laughs) with organizing it all and I've helped them and they've become amazing healers and people and they are the hair splitting kinds (laughs) (laughs) it depends on who they are so this is now a new thing that I'm offering based on all that I've seen and what is the common denominator is my six-week program where I now focused it so that um, it um, people who would come f- just for anything. Um, well, first, what I teach them is how to build this soul sanctuary. And I've learned so much that kind of this whole idea of karma becomes dharma. But what is has been our pain point then becomes the impetus for our soul calling often. So it is building the sanctuary and filling in the cracks and helping us with sort of this imploding and exploding by also giving or providing a, an outlet, a pathway to start releasing that energy in a direction of the calling. So it's a little bit more focused 
and feel and I feel that because of that it can fit in this six week module but it might become eight weeks the next time I offer it the first time it's going to be in June and and so we'll see but it's I, I have a teaching for each direction and uh, build in that we're going to be doing that and before um, embarking on that I, I have a free webinar of an hour coming up this Thursday okay. and that will explain a little bit in more detail what will be covered in each module and how it has helped people so you know you kind of get a sense so this is a bit of an experiment <laughs> but I, I also believe building this model is that it's more about the process mm -hmm. than the product yeah. and your organic growth and where you need to be if you're going to learn to tune into that so you're not going to compare and how much progress did I make in six weeks based on what they did. You're going to be measuring that based on where you were at and what you gained and learned, which I can guarantee will each week will be so rich, so tailored to each person's individual need. So, so this is going to be a question. It's a little complex. No, 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 not at all. It, I like um, how you kind of moved us from the individual, um, you know, the one-on-one -on -one structure to um, making it available in a group. Because, you know, what I've noticed with some of my clients, they're like, you know, I like working with you one-on-one, -on -one, but I need the accountability of a group, you know, mm -hmm. or it would be better if I had a community kind of thing. So is that mm -hmm. kind of where it came from too? Yes, I do love the idea of my clients because I often do tell them stories and they know of each other. And my newsletter is often about what I see as a trend in my practice, speaking to that. So they know that they're not alone, but it's, I think it's helpful to see each other, just like me seeing you. And um, there is something, though, to be said about that because my module in terms of paradox also teaches them how to deeply connect to their truth and the support of others so there's a little bit of a pitfall in that where they can be over reliant on especially if it's something that is a bit more unpopular or they're the minority you know sort of doubt themselves again because everybody else is doing something else or in terms of the accountability become overly dependent on others and not connecting enough to this deep inspiration so my model very much um addresses those things that they're very self-motivated and uh, the accountability and what their goals are will be very clear and their guides will really be the one holding them accountable <laughs> and showing them how they are, are not meeting that. But then in addition to that, they need to balance, learn to balance it now with their support in the community and relationships and put themselves out there. And there's a lot of learning because it could be rejection. It could be they don't fit in or it could be they get caught up in the energy of the group, forget about themselves. So it's that paradoxical thing um, that adds another layer to it. And I think it'll be exciting. Yeah. And, and one thing that you made me think of too is, I mean, there is but the potential for self-sabotage, but there's also the potential for leadership, right? Yes. Um, like sometimes when you just work one-on-one -on -one with a practitioner, you don't get to, to test it out real time with the group. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if you are the odd person out, you know, 
everyone may look at you and say, wow, I never really thought about that. That's kind of neat, right? Yes, exactly. So, yeah, it could be yeah. as a, a good validation. Yeah. Yes, that's actually the intention that um, for them to see that they each each one of them can be a leader in a group yes. <laughs> because of their calling, right? They're kind of, you know, in the school settings, many of them are at Berkeley and their classes and they, they really think of themselves as I'm either or, I'm either the leader or not. And now you can see, right, that yes, you might be, somebody may be the leader in one subject or a topic or whatnot movement, but you're the leader in whatever you feel called to do. And, and so, yes, it's definitely a great opportunity for them to have that experience emerge in, in, a, in a group like that. I like that. That's really neat. I, this is like the, the next level up for like group therapy, right? I mean, well, it's bigger than therapy, I would say, but um, self-actualization, I guess, right? Very much so. It, it, um, being in the Women Speak circles, either as a member or leader, I've seen this magic happen it's so it's a similar kind of thing where women step up and find their voice and are celebrated and suddenly have this amazing confidence in themselves so it's it's wonderful wonderful times that we're living very challenging very turbulent but so much um that is happening yes because of that (laughs) So, so grateful and happy that you're doing this too and these podcasts and gathering all us, you know, having these different hubs uh, for women like us. It's, it's so important. And something that I want to introduce my women to, I think they're, you know, it, it's, it's difficult because social media is often like, oh, I don't want to do that. I see all this on Facebook, you know, kind of the stereotypical what social media is about. And I, you know, what I teach them is all this distraction. Um, you know, it, it's like weeding through that and really finding the nuggets. Because, you know, honestly, when I have them turn inward, the distraction outside is similar to what's happening inside. Just saying, turn inward and you're not going to be distracted. <laughs> then you're going to see where all that distraction, what fuels all that distraction. So it's not a guarantee. You go inward and you're done with the distraction. So it's really a mirroring of what's happening. So you, then you come in with, especially if you're sensitive and porous, you're bombarded and there are hundreds of voices inside of you and you need to go find yours. <laughs> so that process inward, I feel mirrors my process in social media. I find my deepest soul voice. That's what I'm finding on social media. That's what's attracted to me that synchronistically crosses my feed and brings me to people like you. So I feel that I can teach them about that and <laughs> not shy from social media, but use it to their benefit. Yeah. And that's a good point. Cause a lot of times I do um, tell people that it's a projection, right? When we see mm-hmm. something that we don't like, sometimes mm-hmm. it's really you projecting. Yes. You know? mm-hmm. And uh, so it's like the, it's not so much that it's distracting you, but you're distracting yes. yourself because that's the truth. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's really not something, uh, uh, you know, to be said as a judgment. It's, 
It's a gift that we're, I think, so porous and we don't even know actually that whole idea of internally distracted and the imprints that are with us that that is not a baseline, not that there is such a baseline, but there is a, you know, if you look at the highly sensitive percentages, there's a 10, 20% of us that are, I had no idea. I had no idea when I started to do psychic work and how much I was shrinking my energy and all these things that a psychic who never met me started to say, it's like, what? Really? (laughs) I was so shocked that she was saying all these things that I was experiencing and thought that everybody was doing to some degree or did not even know that was not my personality. This was some kind of thing that I was doing with my energy to cope. And so this is typical, the patterns that I've seen, what I've done. I see many other sensitive people do. So that's what I'm teaching, right? To have them embody their home with their fullest energy to be more comfortable in the world. I love the way you say that. So, yes, I'm inviting all of our viewers and listeners, please connect and um, definitely join the webinar to find out more about um, Lorraine's program that's starting next week, right? June 5th? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you... Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah already. <laughs> if you hear yourself in this, if you're resonating with what, what our conversation has been about and what Lorraine is about and how she so beautifully embodies all her decades of work, please, you know, don't deny yourself anymore. You really need to, um, to become soul aware, you know? So is that, you know, we've talked about like a whole lot of stuff and I just love your energy. I just tingle. (laughs) Same here. (laughs) Feels so comfortable. Yeah, it feels so good. I, um, I just want to know like, what would be like the top three takeaways that people should have from our conversation? Yeah. So to piggyback on what, um, we talked about, I would say, trust your body to be a truth body. Don't think of it as a pain body and just randomly giving you signals. Number two would be maybe shift the idea of mindfulness to even a greater, more expansive way of thinking of yourself as soul. Mm. soul. And what that has to do is not trying to outsmart mystery. which I think we do a lot uh, because it requires the surrendering so, and, and, and that ego death. So outsmarting, it means like, nah, I know better. I, you know, this is how it is. And I know better than God and, you know, or whatever mystery. I just, if I had it my way, this is how it would be. So not try to do that so much. Be humble and try to align. And so then third would be this idea of, believing that you can ground yourself in this wholeness and it takes just one percent of being aware of what your ego mind's wounding pattern stories are about and your wholeness and presence is about and if you just shift just that tiny bit more in your wholeness you will have this oversight and the sense of control intentionality that will direct your life yes I should have prefaced that by saying, get your pens and papers out and take notes right now. <laughs> that, that was so beautiful. Oh, they can um, review. They can re- yes, yes, <laughs> rewind. Rewind and listen to it again because that is like, 
the key to the rest of your life right there and joining Lorraine's course, of course. <laughs> Thank um, you so much. Absolutely. I, um, I really appreciate um, you spending this time with me and with my listeners and viewers. Um, I, I feel like um, you have really embodied, because I think there's a humongous misunderstanding of the word gratitude, mm -hmm. but if I had to like record the definition for gratitude, that would be it like our conversation. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I'll, I'll say a little bit more. I have a gratitude practice and I'll say what kind of is secretly embedded uh, for me in gratitude. So the G in, and, and actually is just the G, the G in gratitude is greatly. Mm -hmm. The R is receptive and the attitude um, <laughs> is part of it to be greatly receptive all the time to so much that is out there waiting for us to say yes to to give the green light to so yes that's it i was just trying to like condense <laughs> what i was feeling but that's it wow <laughs> great receptive attitude yes that's what we're missing Yes. Thank you for um, sort of flagging that as a nugget to share. I'll make sure to, to share that more often. I have a few times in my post, but then, you know, it gets buried and yeah. forget. But yeah, maybe I'll have that underneath each gratitude post, <laughs> what yeah. I really mean with that, because there's a lot you can go into the gratitude thing in terms of, oh, so the privileged people now get to keep thanking them so you know it's a lot of confusing things about what that is so yeah for, uh, well, I'm gonna pull that out and I'm, I'm gonna put that underneath um, <laughs> the podcast greatly receptive attitude the real definition of gratitude and then ah, love that love that thank you well thank you so much for being here and like I said listeners and viewers please rewind because <laughs> There are so many nuggets, like every single second. I don't want you to miss anything, but more importantly, um, if, like I said, you find that this work resonates with you, please don't deny yourself anymore and connect with Lorraine and, um, and, and join her program. Thank you so much and have an amazing